This is just winging it. And it has been a long time, baby. Way too long. It's been a really long time. It's been like a week and a half. We can't ever do this again. This bi-weekly shit has to go. It sucks. I I love how, like, so we had this whole, like, emotional announcement where, like, listen, we're transitioning to bi-weekly for the time being. And then John's like, can we record two this week? I'm like, John, (laughs) what the fuck? We're bi-weekly's every other week, not twice in one week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were, like, you know, like, staying late at work to do this. We're like, you know what? We actually do have the ability to, like, space it out a little bit. But it is, it's driving me crazy because I feel like there's too much to talk about. There's so much. And we're going to end up with these titanic episodes. I know. Hopefully, I mean, hopefully this is not a titanic that uh, crashes into an iceberg and sinks. That's true. But this is whatever boat set sail before or after the Titanic that was equivalent um, and was a delightful experience for the for the people who were on it. That's right. what I hope this episode is. Unsinkable. For you. This is this Unsinkable. is the second episode in a row we've mentioned the Titanic. Did we mention the RMS it before? Titanic? Yeah, we talked about the film. Remember? Oh yes, it came of out course. Right when the Menace film almost came out. Yeah. And speaking of our previous episodes, which by the way, I'm John Abdullah. If you don't already know, if you're a new listener, thank you for listening. I'm Patrick Green. If you are confused, yeah. uh, then th- you're in the right place. This is the podcast this, where yeah. we are also confused about parenting and life, and that's why we want to talk to you about it. Yeah, yeah. Mostly just so we can figure out what the fuck's going on. That's true. Because when you talk to each other, uh, you work shit out. To some degree. I mean, we try. So you should do that. If you don't have someone, if you don't have a buddy, this is basically a buddy system for life for us as parents. And I hope you all can find that in your lives. Yeah. And record it. And that's pretty much our episode. Thanks for listening. Yeah, goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But speaking of the last episode, I just want to apologize to anyone who had to listen to, I mean, I literally recorded that after a night of puking. And you were also laying down. It looked like you were actually laying down. I, I was on a couch with a you know reclined up with Chewy's. Dick I was in half face. laying down with Chewy's dick yeah. in my face, so yeah. it was not a pretty sight. But I, <laughs> I was like fucking struck after listening to that again. Afterwards, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if there's a version of me, a doppelganger who lives in the South, and child, and I guess is just like uh, chronically sick, you know that that was that was them. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I that's just, also just you because you have a southern accent sometimes it does, and you're it's chronically true. sick. So yeah, apparently. It's not a doppelganger. It's just you. Shit. <laughs> but I mean, I couldn't even listen to myself. It was so slow and uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> and the episode was just all over the place. Well, because so, it was Skype, there's a delay. So this, yeah, this is the yeah, thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I feel yeah. like people don't get this or maybe you do and I just never asked you or maybe I've never asked you and I don't care. But it, it, maybe but you I get care. it. Maybe yeah. you do get it. Who knows what's going on? I forgot what I was going to talk about. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> When you record on Skype, there's this appreciable lag. That's true. Uh, which is funny because most of the podcasting that I do is over a Skype connection. Yeah. And it's something that we don't really notice because in those like podcasts, we, we kind of have this like etiquette down where we're like, let's, you know, as, as much as possible, kind of wait for the other person to finish their thought and then kind of go. And then, you know, if you have an interjection, it's like a thing. You got to put your hand yeah. up on the video, you know. With just winging it, it is just a series of fucking barrages of mental diarrhea. Yeah, any kind of etiquette. I mean, it would just like take away, I feel like. Yeah, we are the absence of etiquette. Pardon me. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Uh, can I have a word? Sure, Tim. Uh, uh, it is It is not like that. And so yeah. it's great when we're live because we're sitting a matter of inches, They're literally social, inches yeah, from each other. We can just pick up on each other. We're kind of like simpatico or um, on the same wavelength. Sicario. So. Sicario. Very, <laughs> great film. Um, we're very close. Yeah. But when there's a Skype lag, it like you notice it so much because that like the timing of, of our interactions yeah. is just like offset by like 0.2 seconds. But that 0.2 <laughs> seconds is enough for it to sound <laughs> fucking crazy. It's true. Like there are times on that episode where you can hear me stop for a second to make sure that you're not still talking. Yeah. Yeah. And then you start talking and I'm like, fuck, oh, now I forgot it's what so I was going to say. Yeah. 
It's so awkward. It doesn't work for our brains. That doesn't work. So we probably shouldn't do it anymore. But I mean, you know, what do you want from us? It's either it's either <laughs> that or you get nothing. You know, I mean, they might want nothing. I made the fair, effort, uh, even after puking all night, to do it for you. <laughs> and I realized that maybe it was a bad choice. Maybe it was actually worse to hear that than nothing. I don't know. I think it was a good episode. All right. I think we, it was we funny. Talked about it was Star it was Wars. interesting. And because I had the wrong microphone, my yeah. levels were maxed out. So every time I screamed, which I think was more than usual, even because I was trying to compensate for the lack of energy, <laughs> it's just scream it just more. sounded like I was in a megaphone. Yeah, yeah. In a fucking town square screaming. It's true. Which but is it, my head. It's delightful, really, to be here with you in person recording this again it it's is. just bringing me peace you know because we both came in even right now i mean i especially with just feeling the crunch of work right now and like everything going on and this is just a space for us to uh be present and i'm excited because i think this is going to be a good topic in which i again dive into a book <laughs> um which seems to be you know I, that should be like a this is a series a I template think. for some of our template uh, for yeah. some of our shows is, is uh the book right the book review well you keep reading books that are actually like appropriate for a parenting podcast yeah well that's not entirely coincidental i'm reading a book I'm about to do, dead astronauts and a diligence. book about a fucking murderous doppelganger the dead actually, astronaut one i, I want to yeah it sounds oh like God, that's a fan of me. yeah i want to read Love it that shit um but more importantly how are your kids doing what's going on they're they're good they're still kind of sick yeah um that's just gonna be the state of of things and it drives me crazy because i can set a timer it's like between november 22nd and november 24th every single year oh really i completely lose my voice because i've gotten the kids cold and i've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off and then i go into the season which is like concerts every fucking night yep I mean, like, as I brought up last year, like, this is like a third of our annual income comes from my performing <laughs> in this month. Uh-huh. And, uh, and like, it, and I, I never have the ability to sing during it. Con- yeah. like, so it's always this kind of struggle because I always get sick right at this time of the year. The boys are, uh, in spite of that, doing really well. We had an amazing snow day yesterday. Oh, good. Which, of course, Magical. had to fucking work during the whole thing. But, like, but between <laughs> calls, I was able to go outside with them, did some sledding. Did some well, Mike built a snowman while we were in the woods, pretending to hide from Terminator robots, which of was course. actually very fun. Yeah, naturally, because uh, that's what you would be doing. Because why would you plows, want to build a snowman? Right, snowplows do sound kind of like you know T one thousands when they're when they're you know going that is by true, and scraping yeah. the paint, right? Yeah. So it was immersive uh, environment. It was very cool. Uh, they're doing great. Henry is uh, really into. Uh, Christmas, mm-hmm. although he keeps trying to go back to Halloween, which is we're, we're playing like a Halloween video game right now. In spite yeah, because you Christmas, are a Halloween so. family, so yeah. And spe- Henry and I are like, are like the locus of Halloween activity yeah, in yeah. the household. Um, and Jude is just like so all about the season. He's like the most fucking festive. That's he's awesome. He's got so much cheer. He it's just dresses crazy. up as an elf every day. He just fucking Taking embraces after dad, it. Yeah. So we all dress like elves. <laughs> just embracing it so much. You know, we got the tree, we got oh, the lights, so much we got fun. all the stuff. I set love up. this we time have of year. Eggnog. We have uh, we had a fire going all all this week, you yeah. know, at night, um, and uh, and it's also Micah's favorite time of the year too. So things are pretty good in the green household, even though we're fucking coughing and spitting, but we're yeah, we're, okay. we're happy. That's that's pretty much summing up how we're feeling too. I think you know we've all been dealing with the uh, congestion and the you know basically phlegm running through our veins. I feel like. Yeah, my body composition is like no is like noticeably flemmy, flemmy, right now. very flemmy. Like if you were to cut me, which you can if you want, you, know, <laughs> you can see where this goes. Uh, there would be phlegm coming out. Yeah, definitely. Or if if I were to uh, jump onto the magic school bus and go into your body right now, you're welcome to do that too. <laughs> that reminds me of a quote I wrote it down afterwards. <laughs> Did you Grace, really? Grace, yesterday she just goes, "Daddy, what if we were inside of a cat's body?" <laughs> 
And so immediately I was thinking like, oh, like, you know, like putting us inside, like a magic school bus kind <laughs> right, of thing right. where we're inside. I'm like, where is this coming and it's from? it's like wet. Like, do and- I, is this the first sign of the serial killer that I've been waiting for <laughs> in my, chi- in my <laughs> children? Um, and then, and then I was like, oh wait, no, I bet she means, um, you know, what if we were a cat, right? Like, like occupying like, a cat What if we body, were, right. you know, or, or like we, yeah. Feline. We, yeah, yeah. What if we were yeah, a cat, right? Right. Um, but then her follow up. Uh. So I said something like, yeah, what would happen? And she said, it would poop us out. <laughs> so she was, in fact, apparently she talking about actually going inside. Yeah. Of the cat. And then I and then I just kept asking questions because, like, I was so curious where this, you know, came from or whatever. And, and and I think I said, you know, and then what? And she's like, and then we would just, you know, we'd be all poopy. <laughs> so it just didn't go anywhere else. Like, <laughs> I have no idea where that came from or or what. But um, she meant she might have meant like a tauntaun, like slicing a cat open and know. sleeping inside I think she's carcass, clearly you know? has not gotten over Malcolm dying and this is it's just coming out in weird ways do you ways. think this is related to that I don't know how's your family doing with this um, with Malcolm yeah um, fine I mean it's, I mean you're thrilled but I mean in, I'm thrilled because I don't like have how... shit all over my house anymore <laughs> yeah let's be honest um, no I miss him still you know there's still you see a shadow or something that's like moving because you know we have ghosts yeah and, right and you think it's him for a minute and, and then it's you're reminded of him right it's um, usually a turkey to be fair usually right, so. a turkey yeah because they do break into the house yeah. Um, but, uh, for the kids, they really occasionally, if someone mentions Malcolm, they'll say something or it really just grace, but, um, really hasn't been anything there. I mean, they're still at a young enough age where, and they didn't necessarily interact with him all that much. So yeah, right. it hasn't been a big deal. Um, what has been a big deal is, uh, I mean, I'm remembering back to our first season, um, of, of the sort of episode or at least the conversation around the pacifier, um, yeah. And now, you know, experiencing that with Luke, another child who um, is addicted to a pacifier, right. right? And we were just actually having a conversation with some parents about this and how, you know, he's just been an amazing sleeper and you don't want to ever disrupt that, right? Like, mm-hmm. why would you do that to yourself by, but you also know that at some point it's not good for their teeth and you don't want right. to be them to be using it in the long run. So he's, you know, he's like uh, two years and a month old now. And so we're like, eh, maybe around two and a half but then this thing happened where he's using one of the Wubbinubs, you know, the one where the oh, animal, yeah. yeah, you know, animal is attached to the pacifier. They for the show. And it was starting to disconnect and we were like, what are we going to, you know, it's going to disconnect. Now, obviously we could just get another one. Which bro. one was it? Which animal? Um, It was the frog. Oh, wow. The fro- we never had the frog. Yeah. Oh, they've come out with so many now. I don't think we ever had the frog. We had a lot of these fucking things. I oh, yeah. I don't think we ever got the frog. We did too. Is it green? It is green, yeah. What's As the, what's frogs the, uh, typically are, yeah. Well, not all of them. It's true, what's, what's but the, I mean, what, what color are they going to make a frog? Come on. Rainbow. Um, the strap. Oh, this doesn't have a strap. It's just the animal and the pacifier. No, but I mean, but there's usually like a little bit of connecting nylon between the two. Um... In this case, it's this just, just attached goes seamlessly to like onto the their pacifier. mouth, which is weird. Now that I think weird. about yeah. it, that is, I think it's connected to their mouth. So I mean, that that seems That's a little strange. a little strange. But then again, what else are they going to connect it to? Like their, their, you know, where nipple would be on the animal if they have one? Like what, what? <laughs> their umbilical cord. <laughs> so anyway, it was starting to rip, and we were like, you know, when we were talking to these other parents about it too, like right. we just feel like he is so he loves going to sleep, and so much of it is probably because of the binky. Um, and he just, you know, he looks forward to being able to use it because that's the only time he uses it. Yeah. So we were talking to them about it, and sure enough, a day later, he's only using it at night. It, yeah, he only uses it at okay. night and during his nap. His, he takes a fucking Important. two to three hour nap every day. Ah, so lucky. I love this kid. So Can you imagine that? <laughs> I know, right? I could do that right now. Um, I I never could nap, so I don't, I just love having the downtime where Grace, you know, is watching something for an hour or so, and he's sleeping, and mm-hmm. it just gives us a little bit of a break. Yeah. Um, but his thing broke 
after a nap. And and I was like, you know what? This is a moment. Like we actually, yeah. we could run with this. So I said, you know, your pinky's broken. And I just tried to like explain that to him. And he did ask for a new one. But I thought, all right, tonight we're going to actually try it without a binky and see what happens, right? And we had very low expectations. Bethany just was convinced that he was absolutely addicted to it and mm-hmm. it would be terrible. Um, I had a little more optimism just because I think, I think there is a pa- aspect of it where he actually does like to sleep. And so I was feeling more optimistic, although generally I'm the more optimistic of the two of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> we tried it out that night and he asked for it a few times, but he actually fucking slept the whole night. Wow, without it. Without it. And didn't wake up in the middle of the night. Um, and from what I remember, because this was a couple days ago now, didn't wake up early in the morning. And wow. then then it was like, all right, well, surely he's not going to be able to nap without it. Because that's a time where, you know, kids are still, don't necessarily, it's not dark out. They don't necessarily Does want to go want to sleep. To, yeah, so so our, our kids, although, like, Henry's still, like, you know, I'm knocking very hard on wood. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure the listeners will love that. Uh, takes naps. Mm-hmm. S- sometimes. Yeah, he always needs one, but he only takes it sometimes because even on the days where he's like so tired, he will he will fight that good fight. Yeah, so hard until he basically just passes out <laughs> from the exertion. You know what I mean? Yeah. So does is Luke like that or no? No, that's the thing. And Grace, it was at two years old that she just didn't even take a nap with us anymore. She only yeah. did a daycare. With Luke, he actually legit wants to go to sleep, but wow. we were convinced that it was the pacifier that really made him want to narcoleptic pacifier yeah i mean it is it's something that they get addicted to it's a comforting thing yeah and so you know and there's an oral fixation there that it's it's comes from i guess just like you with the chewy mic just like me with the chewy mic so (laughs) so we were convinced then at least that the nap part wouldn't work because that's probably like the motivation for him going down for a nap but you know there was a little bit of attention there and the first night or the first nap he was upset about it um, and wanted one, and the little shit found one somehow. He that was, did. He found one. They like, stockpile these things. Oh, man. It was like hidden away in a chair. So yep. he, he found one, and then Bethany had to take that away. I was out at the time. And so he cried a little bit, and then he went down for a nap. But really, the the moral of the story, if I am finding a moral in this story, um, is is it goes back to the episode we had where we talked about this, which is that they are often ready before we are. Yeah. With so many of these things, right? And And like for us... You know, we just felt such anxiety around it because we didn't want to lose this amazing sleeper that we had. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just made sense to try it out. And if, sure enough, it's like no fucking big deal. You know, I mean, he's asked for it a few times, but like he's just done an amazing job of uh, not using it anymore. So I was proud of him. And that's it great. Also, it was a reminder to me as a parent of just like, you know, the things that you over worry about. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know it doesn't always play out that way, but. Um, oftentimes I think we put on, we load things with some of our expectations and feelings and all that. So, and it almost, I mean, in, in our experience with both kids, it was a total non-event, the yeah. you know, I mean, like yeah. there was some kind of pushback from it, but, but both times the kids were kind of just ready and, and, we, and we had been assuming that they wouldn't be because when we kind of like toyed with the idea, like, you know, like not giving it <laughs> at first, there had been kind of a little bit of an eruption. You yes. Know? Yes. But I, I think maybe, maybe part of the point with this is that when there's a change like that, when there's like a life change like lean into the experimental quality of it yeah. and, and just try it and like give it a real try. And if it doesn't like work, that. you know, like for example, a colleague of mine, um, oh, I actually have to ask her how it went um, over Thanksgiving break was planning on uh, potty training. Yeah. Herself. <laughs> their, their daughter. And, uh, and she was like, you know, do you have any, any tips? And, and one of my uh, main tips was that like, you know, if, if she's ready, like it'll, it'll happen. So I think just it's like, so true. just take the carpets out and, you know, 
let it happen, right? Yeah, yeah. Just um, experiment with and it. embrace it. Yeah, and and like you know, and be patient with like the and have fun with it because it is kind of like a fun, ridiculous process, yeah. you know. And it's going to be messy <laughs> and gross, but it's like part of it for sure. But the, the idea is that like if you if you put them in a situation where they like will adapt if if they're able to, then like them. They, they, they will have more control over it, right? If it's a sort of like countdown, 10-day countdown, and then you're never going to see a binky again, and we're going to have a fucking bonfire in the backyard, <laughs> right? Then it, then it becomes this whole, like, event. Whereas if it's something where it's just an evolutionary a- aspect of their life, yeah. and they adapt, and they find that they can, and they discover new strengths within themselves, and that's great. I and think if not, so. then you come back around and try it again. And know? that's the thing. We were very much expecting, and even on the brink of giving it back to him if he, you know, was too upset about it, but we're like, let's try this out and see yeah. how it goes. And... You know, you have to be committed to a certain extent because I feel like they can smell the, <laughs> the um, what's the word, indecisiveness mm-hmm. or the like, you know, I, if there's a window for them to push on something, to whine to get it or do, you know, to push on you, right, I feel right. like they can sniff it out and they're oh, really, totally, totally, they're really totally. good about that. Totally. So it is like this thing where you have to be, you have to commit yourself to a certain extent, but I think totally that the idea of, um, you know, approaching it as an experiment and then kind of seeing where it goes, I, I think it worked out well. Yeah, it, but it, but it's like, I mean, an experiment still has to have parameters, right? Yeah, yeah. It still has to be real. So like, so being like, you know, we are not going to give you the binky back right now. Yeah. That's what the way things are tonight. Knowing that there's going to be whining and there's going to be a little bit of uh, anger. Yeah. But that like, we're going to embrace that and we're going to go with it. And if it's like a bad night, then just, I mean, because the worst that could happen, I, mean, I feel like you guys were worried that if you disrupted the, the pattern, if you yeah. shook the apple cart or whatever that metaphor is, <laughs> is that a metaphor? I'm if, sure. If you, if you tip the apple cart over and the bunch of monkeys came out. If you out, kick it, yeah. If you kick the cart. Kick and a the cow can, falls over. And a cow eats mm-hmm. a turkey. Yeah. Then I think that uh, what, what you were actually worried about was that the, the disrupting of the pattern would be irrevocable, right? Yeah. Which we were is worried that there totally was totally irrational, like, right? Right, because it's not yeah. like these kids are computer programs <laughs> and there's a bug in the system and it's going to eat it until it's not, yeah. no longer operable, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, they're humans that are adapting along with us, so it's, That's like, right. it's okay. Yeah. Totally. But uh, I, I, one thing that I'll say with the kids is that uh, I I traveled a lot this month. As yeah. You know, well, last month, I guess now. Um, And that was hard. It was harder than I think uh, I anticipated, especially for Jude. He mm. had a really hard time with it. Um, because... Because of the work that I do, I, I usually travel like once a year, sometimes twice a year internationally. And it's yeah. usually like a, a total of – like maybe a total of 12 days where I'm gone, mm-hmm. which is more than I kind of want. But it's also like I recognize it's part of the work that I do and it's important yeah, and for me it's to do that. and spread out across. Yeah, and I want the kids to see it and it's spread out into like a three-day trip and a five-day trip or something like that. Usually right. something like that. Um, and uh, – in the past, it's been it's not been that bad, but this time Jude was really kind of like dreading, especially the the first trip, the Los Angeles one. Yeah, he was like really yeah, nervous I remember about it. That. And my parents who were watching them were like, you know, he was really upset at night. Um, and then I had to like come back home, and then you know, right after we recorded that last episode, turn around and go to fucking Africa. Yeah, which is like a huge. It's I mean, in terms of geographic displacement, it's a, it's a really big deal, but it's also like a very different time zone. Uh, we didn't really have time to like get that much in before I left again although we tried so it was and so it was kind of a, a continuation of that experience I think for the kids like mm-hmm. it was like oh daddy's gone like he's he's gone again you know yeah so uh, when I came back now Jude is this like constant fear of me dying that's something that is like oh. a really which of course I'm being a dick about and I keep <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like Jude I think I'm dying and then I like lay down and he screams I'm like <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm, getting, I'm such a dick I know I keep thinking it's gonna make him like get over it but it's like he's yeah, like, he's humor, like daddy sure stop goes over doing well, that right yeah, I should stop doing that. Um, but I mean, I don't actually know, but I imagine that 
<laughs> no, but it, it, quite, he's still like upset. Like, resonate with because well, we'll be like wrestling, you know, and then he'll like punch me, and then I'll just pretend that I died, and and he'll and he'll be like, Daddy, no, be like Jim, <laughs> you didn't kill me by swatting me with like a you know with like a paper oh. airplane. But anyway, yeah, I'll I'll lay off that a little bit. But it's uh, but I, I feel like now that I'm I'm back and we're really like making up for lost time, which has been great, and we yeah. always make up for lost time anyway because I, I have that mentality, especially going to work every day of trying to like cram stuff in. But I feel like <laughs> you um, sure do. I feel yeah. I feel like we've been here. Here's here's the moral of, of my story. Maybe is that uh, <laughs> we've been specifically not going out very mm-hmm. much because. Uh, Part of this is because Thanksgiving was there. Part of it's because the holiday season is so fucking intense. Part of it's because I was gone for the better part of two weeks. Yeah. But most of it is because um, it's like snowy outside and there's something really special about staying in and just playing together and like reading stories by the fireplace. Oh, yeah. And that's something that uh, I, I I need to make more time for in my life. And I think it might lead into a resolution. Who knows? Uh... Next year about um, setting aside more dedicated time to be home. And to um, appreciate it and to treat it sort of like we're going out, like to schedule it, to make sure that like we're mm. like blocking the calendar for a day and a half or something. We're like not going to put anything on there yeah. and make sure that we don't have any commitments. And even if we get invited to things like a birthday party or something, yeah. declining it and not feeling bad. And, and yeah. even when when declining it, being honest about why. Because what I do a lot of the time, and I'm sure you do this too, is if I get invited to something, you know, and I just kind of don't really want to go to it, yeah. a lot of the time I will be like, oh, you know, we have this thing going on that, you know, we're <laughs> going to be late getting there from this other thing. Um, and a lot of so the time that's, that's why true, you didn't come to my birthday. <laughs> yeah, if, <laughs> if the excuse is always, there's this thing going on. <laughs> no, but like, a lot of the time it's true because we are, we are just course. way too busy. But yeah. there's also sometimes we're like, I just want to be home for like a day, right? Yeah. And I get invited, especially not with kids things, but more for like adult things where mm-hmm. like people are going out or something. And I've like said, you know, I'll join you guys. And, and I'll be like, hey, you know, we have something, the kids are sick or something, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of want to be like, you know, actually, I, I just want to like stay home yeah. today. I, I want to take you know? it a step further and be like, uh, I don't really like you anymore. <laughs> you know, like our time, we had a moment and now it's done and let's stop pretending that we're going to be friends. Yeah, like this is the <laughs> end of this experience. Uh, no, you I don't got know. served. I mean, I say that mostly joking, but I mean, there is an aspect of this like weird guilt feeling around not doing things that you're invited to that I, 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 can, can, I, I can relate to you. And I feel like we shouldn't have to, like, make up an excuse. We shouldn't. Yeah. Because what we're doing is we're continuing to model this idea that there's something bad about staying home yeah. or that there's something ignoble about it. When right. in, in reality, like, we live in a, in a world that is not making it easy to do that. Like, we're really torn between things a lot yeah. of the time. And it's important to make space in and our heads and in our lives. only going to get more difficult uh, as the kids grow up and yeah. you have the overscheduled, you know, lives of the of your kids to deal with, yeah. um, which actually is very much a topic in... Well, look at that transition! <laughs> if I can, can I transition yeah, us? go for it. Um, I'm, I've been really excited to have this conversation because it reading this book, so what we're going to talk about is a book called All Joy and No Fun. Angela Lansbury. Um, by Angela Lansbury slash... Jennifer Senior, Senior, I would assume. Let me see I don't it. Know. Senior, um, maybe it's, it's just, just senior. I think senior. It's just it's senior. the word there's senior. No, yeah, there's, there's no, no tilde. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jennifer Senior, senior. and uh, you know, I mean, right off the bat, reading the the headline, which I guess the subtitle I should read as well. So it's all joy and no fun: the paradox of modern parenthood. Okay, how do you feel about that? Even just hearing the title. Uh, I'm intrigued. I think it's got a great hook to it. Yeah. I'm excited to read what she says. I'll probably disagree <laughs> with a lot of it. I think you will. But, but let's see. All, all I don't want to buy joy, All joy and no fun. Yeah, I mean... The paradox of modern parenthood. The, the idea that it's the extreme, you know, 
is there's two kinds of people in the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I don't I don't necessarily I mean I don't agree with that, but I think it's meant to obviously um get you thinking. I want to read that it's book. Meant yeah. to be controversial I, I in terms of the title. Yeah, I would yeah, look yeah. at it. Totally. Totally. So, here's what um Jennifer Senior <laughs> does with this book. I want to just kind of give you a summary of how it's structured because I'm going to okay. walk through some of it. So, basically, you know, initially she sort of starts off with an introduction about how um I think we many of us as adults feel this expectation or pressure um to become parents. And a lot of a lot of what goes into that is this idea that parents live really happy lives and derive a lot of um, happiness out of out of having kids, right? Like that family structure seems to work for a lot of people. And there's a lot of there's a lot of notion around um, even just the meaning that we derive out of our lives, and like you know, there's a lot that goes into your decision to have kids. Um, and the you know what a lot of the research shows is this paradoxical thing where parents actually are no more happy than non-parents um, and in some cases they're considerably less happy and so this is based on lots of research you know that she's looked at um, and studies that have been done where people are asked questions about their happiness um, or even for example um, rank ordering the people that they want to be around and putting their own children pretty far down on that list <laughs> Wow! so like there's lots of different um, research that she cites and she does this throughout the book in terms of um, you know, incorporating some of the uh, the background of, you know, what parenting has been historically and what it is now and some of the studies that have been done around happiness. And so she does a lot of that throughout the book. And then the other thing she does throughout the book is um, kind of sit in on these groups of parents who, you know, similar to like during the early, you know, baby years, there are many of these moms groups who come together and they talk about parenting, right? And you don't hear as much about them as in terms of dad groups. Um, but the groups that she participated in, I think some of them were just moms and some were both moms and dads who just like came together to check in about parenting. And it sounds like a really great thing. Um, and so she was able to sit on, sit in on some of those um, who with parents who had kids of all different ages and then actually um, do some sort of ethnographic study where she would then, you know, I'm using those words. I don't think she did, but um, where she would actually just sit in, you know, and kind of. Uh, observe their lives, you know, and talk to them in their actual natural habitat as a so parent. So follow them home from the mama group. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And like see them in action. Jane Goodall. Just watch them parent, you know, basically. Picking and, and things out of each other's fur. Yeah, exactly, like exactly. And so she did all of that and then she structures the book in this way where it's, you know, first it gets into um, the sort of loss of autonomy and, and the, the big sort of um, shift that happens when you become a parent, right? So that first stage of just like becoming a parent and what that transition huge. looks like. It's huge, of course. Huge. Um, and then she d- breaks it down into the toddler years and then elementary and then adolescence. And then there's a topic around this topic, uh, or there's a chapter around the topic of joy. And so I'm just going to kind of walk through it in that structure because I think it sort of worked to go through it in that way. Um, and ultimately what it, I hope will do for you and, you know, others listening is just maybe, um, just get you thinking about, you know, some of the choices that we make as parents and maybe some of the, um, broader context of, of parenting that I often haven't really thought of. I think I've taken a lot for granted. Um, so I'll just jump into it. It, it, Are are these studies conducted, uh, like outside of the United States as well? It's more so, I think that she's citing research that's been done, like meta studies, um, 
you know, that have been done and, and looking at those. I don't actually know the answer to that. I'm sure some of them specifically cited whether they were done in the U.S. I, I or not. I would just be really, because I, um, I, I do think that there's a huge cultural component to a lot of this. And a lot oh, of for sure. That, I mean, she definitely cited, um, you know, like some some of French parenting and, and sort of the distinction between some of their choices yeah. and ours. But even, um, for example, like a mama group is something that flourishes on a social media platform. Right? Yes. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so like there's a, so like right then you're already like, you know, you're talking specifically about like the developed world. You're talking specifically about, you know, a certain demographic of woman who would be on that platform yeah. in the first place. You're, you're, you're kind of like narrowing all these criteria down. I think it would be interesting, um, not to say she hasn't done it, but I, yeah. I just think it would, per, it would be interesting to see different demographics around the world and how they would respond to these questions. I think it would be pretty illuminating. For sure. I mean, and to be clear, it's not necess- it's not that the case that she's doing the research when it comes to like the meta analysis. It's right. more so that she's sitting in on the participant groups and those were in the US. Yeah. Um, and that and this book I would say is very much geared towards, you know, a US parenting yeah, yeah, yeah. audience. Um, but these weren't just like to be also to clarify, these aren't um, groups that were on social media. They're actually like physical groups where you go oh, okay. and you have conversations okay. with people. Okay. Um and so, yeah, just to be clear on that part of it. Okay. Um, so it's interesting because, you know, it brings in the research from an, other studies that have been done, but it also brings in the anecdotal kind of stuff from these parents that she talks to. And so collectively, it's like just an interesting perspective into parenting, but it's one that is very much not a how-to-parent book or anything like that. So it resonated with me because it's often the context of our show here where we talk through like what it's like to be a parent or to, you know, to do some of parenting, but it's not like a, you know, we don't know shit. Yeah. It's here's and very much what I appreciated in her book as well as it's, it doesn't really come out one way or the other on like, here's how you should do it. Um, it's really just presenting some interesting information. But again, um, all joy and no fun. That is a provocative well, that's statement idea. to make. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm curious about how that does not have implications for how she thinks that we should parent <laughs> our children. But I, I will, I will reserve judgment. Yeah. Other than to say that I feel like Jennifer so Senior should judgment. have a junior as well in the family, so yeah. that they can be senior senior. I think that would just be wonderful. That's that's amazing. I should write a you should write about to her about that. Yeah, I have, I have a junior. <laughs> yeah, you should definitely. So I mean, the first one gets into this loss of autonomy, and it breaks down um, a couple of the big areas where we feel that um and actually i won't get too much into this one because i feel like we've covered this quite a bit on this show but two in particular that she focuses on are um there's the first of all the the practical thing which is sleep which is a form of torture (laughs) you know the sleep deprivation is very difficult and suddenly even just like your own body functions are you've lost the autonomy over your own yourself totally right um, and the other is interesting that I thought she brought in that, you know, we haven't necessarily talked about in these terms, but there's this concept that I'm sure you've heard of, too, as uh, flow. It's often um, referred to in the sports world where um, athletes are able to get into this state of, of flow. Yeah, exactly. But also anyone, certainly an artist would experience this and actually everyone experiences it or could experience it in some way or another in their lives. And she connected, you know, parenting to this and how it can be much more difficult for us to get into our state of flow when our brains are going in a million different directions. And, you know, the the parenting aspect of our lives and the loss of autonomy just makes it a lot harder. And so that actually is a, a big source of frustration. And, um, you know, it's just a, a challenge for, for parents naturally because, um, you don't control your life in the way that you used to, and therefore creating the optimal conditions for flow is something that you have a lot less control over. Totally. Um, so, you know, that that chapter, again, I think we've talked about quite a bit in terms of loss of autonomy, but that's sort of the backdrop of some of this. Um, the other is 
uh, she did a chapter on the stress on our marriage that mm. having kids um, places on us. And, you know, we've this is something that isn't surprising to hear. I think we, we all know uh, in some cases even just the <laughs> physical barrier that it can be with a kid, you know, in between two people in a bed, right? Like that's the physical. It's hard to fuck when there's kids yeah, exactly. in the bed, let me tell you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's the physical sort of um, expression of it. But, of course, right. there's a lot more behind the scenes there. And one of the things that she looked at in some of these studies was where some of that strain comes from. And and the most divisive thing, actually, is the division of labor and how that becomes a source of so much tension in marriages, Yeah, um, more than anything else even, because oftentimes the husband and wife in a uh, um, heterosexual couple, you know, they they have a certain perception of what the other person is doing. And in particular... Men um, often have an inaccurate sense of how much they do, <laughs> which is not surprising to hear, right? Um, not at all. Yeah. So when they were asked questions and then, you know, they look at how much they actually do in terms of household stuff, yeah. men often have an exaggerated sense. Um, and women... Because they take the garbage out um, once a if, week or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and if I remember correctly, I think maybe both had a somewhat exaggerated, but like with men, it was much more so. Yeah. And so there's just a source of tension that is ongoing there. And as, since I read the book, I've been more aware of how that plays out sometimes because I'm not always like, you know, I'm not always calling it out as something that is, you know, a source of frustration or tension, but I'm more aware of those times now where I'm feeling like, you know, Bethany, it, don't do shit. Yeah. It's like yeah. a night where you're doing dishes and you're, you know, you kind of, you just have this feeling in you. I don't know if you can relate to this. Maybe it's petty, but I, I imagine others <laughs> feel it where it's like, you know, you feel like you're kind of doing, you're carrying the, more of the load on a particular night and you're starting to get a little resentful of that. It's very easy to feel that way. Right? Totally. And so that is something that is is very common. And like I said, that actually, more than anything else, um, is often, it puts a strain on marriages. Um, <laughs> you know, it was helpful for me to even just read about the different perspective from a man and woman and, and it connects to your um, I think your resolution this year, which was, to, thing, yeah, yeah. which was to focus which on just that Just last night I was saying, man, I got to rededicate myself to it because I, I was... Now I, that I've it's been, December. I've, <laughs> yeah. Well, because most of the year I was really good about it. And then I just noticed like as I've been stressed and traveling and doing all these other things, like I'm, I'm slipping. I, I will say that uh, I think part of the issue with men in this regard, at least speaking personally, is yeah. that because um, in my household growing up, I didn't see that I didn't see the, the chores that were happening weren't that visible to me until I was like older. Yeah. So I didn't kind of internalize the amount of work that was going on, especially that my mom was doing when she was home with us. I just was kind of ignoring it. Um, and I think, I don't know if this is, I don't know how broad of a statement this is or how generic or how, how generalized it is, but I get the sense that a lot of women are raised more aware of the chores that are going on in a sort of a preparatory mode where like their mothers, for example, if they're, you know, modeling traditional gender roles yeah. or whatever are, are being are sort of engaging them more at a younger age so that they kind of see the totality of work that goes into like making a house livable. So for me, a lot of the time it's not just cause I'm lazy, although it's sometimes cause I'm lazy. <laughs> a lot of times it's cause I'm not actually aware of what's going on of like what needs to happen to yeah. keep a household functioning. Yeah. And I'm like, Oh my God, like that's right. Like somebody has to vacuum the stairs. I totally didn't even think of that as a thing. Just, just things like that. Like there's a visibility aspect yes. to it as well. No, I, that comes out of the traditional gender roles in our society. I think a hundred percent. And actually, Actually, this is also very much lazy, something that, that also we're That's, probably oh, we're lazy. also lazy. Speak for yourself, buddy. Yeah, I'm lazy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, you've you've totally. It's very related. It's not exactly what I'm about to say, but I think it very much relates. Which is that men actually don't have standards that are set for them these days. Fathers is what I should be specific about here. 
there is no standard for a father. You know, this is why if we're out in public changing a diaper, people are like, wow, he changes diapers or like do right. all these things because there actually is no standard because it's been so fucking ridiculously low in the past, even with our own dad's. Um, they were just not expected to be as involved as parents, mm-hmm. whereas women, the expectation has always been there. And in fact, now it's to the point where, you know, they have to hold both the expectation of all of the parenting stuff, but they also have, uh, in many cases, the, those who work have the expectation of, of really leaning in and, and, you know, doing everything on the work side. And, and like, there is no reduction of expectation on the parenting side for them. Right. Whereas for dads, certainly I would say, there's an increasing expectation that we share that um, burden, if you want to call it that, with household stuff. But it's still, I think, a pretty low bar. Yeah. And in fact, you know, it's it's difficult for us as fathers to navigate sometimes because there is no standard. Whereas for a mother, and this isn't good either, but there is a standard. You yeah. know, they have to meet a certain standard. And us, it's like, <laughs> it's all over the place. There is no actual standard. And so just navigating that is tricky. And I think that's some of what I'm hearing you say in terms of the visibility into some of that household work. Um, so, you know, that's just a natural transition. And the fact that we, uh, you literally have it as a resolution. Yeah. Um, you know, I think focusing power or energy there rather um, is a good start, you know, and just because you, you have to, because like you're, you're fitting into a, into like a gender role that was kind of prescribed for you that, that you are trying to break out of a little bit That's because right. it's ridiculous, right? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it is, it is, it is absolutely ridiculous. And it's embarrassing when you think, when you really think about it and you consider, especially given the amount of work that like both of our wives do, Yeah, you know, I mean, like Micah is the hardest working person I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs> And she's also the one who like ends up cleaning the litter box more frequently because she's oh, usually the one that is doing miss. the laundry, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's like that's really fucked up. I I, I do not do the laundry very much in our household. Yeah. And because of that, I'm never near the litter box, and so I'm not doing that. And and it wasn't until I realized <laughs> that I wasn't doing either of those things, and that that was like a big lift that she was doing. I was like, fuck, that's like something else that I need to like think about and and jump on before she does it for me. Yeah. Because that's the other thing, is that there's this like there's almost this this like normalized passivity. With men. And and this is like, and whatever, people complain about it. I don't give a shit. I feel like it is, <laughs> there's this, there's this kind of like, we get a little bit of a participation trophy if we try to go above and beyond. But above and beyond for us is just basic parenting, right? Yeah. Whereas with women, like there's this expectation that like the buck stops there and that like the kid will show up to the field trip, the kid will get to school, the kid will do these things because the mom will always, you know, like pick up the slack in that regard. Yeah. But that's like such an antiquated idea that it's like it's it, it's something that we have to push against if we're ever going to change it, and that means like, you know, getting those participation trophies and putting them aside and being like, you know, I need to adapt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think so. And and this idea of um, the pressure that we put on ourselves, and you know, knowing that women often feel a lot more of that pressure because they're held to a certain standard and have to work while they also um, are parent. Yeah, it's the burden, right? Yeah. Um, but this comes back and is very much a point I want to make sure we cover here in terms of the pressure as parents, and, and we'll get to it in a minute. But um, I think this serves as a backdrop for some of what's to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't mean to derail. No, no, you're not go. derailing at all. So, you know, I won't get too d- into details in terms of the stages of parenting then and how the book breaks down in terms of toddler and then elementary school and then adolescence, um, except to maybe hit on these on these quick points, which is that, you know, <laughs> we're in it now in this sort of toddler and now elementary phase, right? Where we're experiencing an aspect of it. And it was it was helpful for me to get a better sense of what the full sort of elementary stage looks like and then adolescence and how 
the pressure on parents um, shifts through that time. And obviously, you know, our experience as a family looks different. So you go from toddler where it is this like super high energy, you know, chasing a kid around, dealing with all the stuff that we've talked about on the show, yeah. the major developmental leaps. And like, also, you know, it is a lot. It can be a lot of fun, right? Like it, she specifically follows this grandmother who is raising um, her grandson um, after his mother passed away. And so here's this grandmother, right, who's raising, um, I, I forget exactly how old he was, let's say three. Um, and you can imagine, you know, the difference in energy there, right, and having to raise a three-year-old. Totally. Um, and the challenges there and just how sort of tired and exhausted she looked. And yet she described this moment where this grandmother is, um, they go to a splash pad and the child is, love those. is running through, having all this fun. Yeah. And all of a sudden... Um, Jennifer Sr., you know, as she's watching them, this grandmother just lights up and runs through with him and is just all of a sudden this, like, um, ageless person who right. is experiencing this joyous state, right, where time no, no longer matters. And she just describes it. I'm going to read it, actually, verbatim, because it's just this amazing, um, this moment. Mm -hmm. And so she describes the fact that, you know, with t toddlers in that specific age, um, even though, even given all of those challenges in raising toddlers... Um, they also create wormholes in time, transporting mothers and fathers back to feelings and sensations they haven't had since they themselves were young. The dirty, dirty secret about adulthood is the sameness of it. It's tireless adherence to routine norms. All of us crave liberation from these ruts. And I thought that was just such a nice, agreed. right? And, yeah. and that's where I think the joy comes in. And what she starts to talk about here is the fact that what these studies probably miss in their you know, assessment of how happy people are, right? And it goes back to our joy episode is some of the joy that is experienced through these moments that aren't, they aren't necessarily defined as like you being happy, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Because a lot of times it comes from maybe an exhausted place um, or even just a painful place in some right. cases, which we'll get into, especially with adolescents. But, um, but the joy that can emerge there is at a deeper level and maybe mm -hmm. often missed in some of the assessment of, you know, how, ha how happy people are. Yeah. Yeah. Th um, that, that to me is like the overriding thing that I've taken away from raising two toddlers now is, yeah. is this, is that sense of, of unexpected joy in the wormholes. Like that is so, that's such a great way to put right? it. Because in the midst of being tired and kind of stressed and a little freaked that they're going to die and all these different things, there are these like moments of grace that happen all, all of a sudden. And, yeah. and it is like the most profound thing. And they have no idea why, like they're not picking up on that. Right. They're, they're, they're just, they're always in the moment. Right. And right. they bring us to being in that present moment in but ways like, that we just can't anymore. For example, like when I was talking about the Terminator robots, like yeah. yesterday in the snowstorm, like that's, that happened because I was crawling in the snow. Cause Henry couldn't like walk in it. Cause it was like so windy and there was so much of it. So he was kind of crawling. So I was like crawling with him and then Jude was crawling. We were like pretending, you know, we were crawling <laughs> and I was like, I was kind of like, we're like in a war zone. And then we found, this little tree that had bent over because the snow was weighing it down and yeah. it created this little cavern so we like crawled in this little cavern which was like barely large enough to fit me and um and i just and i in that moment like was kind of like looking up through the branches at the sky and seeing the way that like these black branches were interrupting the light coming down from the from the clouds and there was like stasis for that second you know because we were hiding from this robot that was the tote <laughs> that was the truck but like but in reality like it was also because like we just trudged through the snow and we were tired and we made it to this little resting point and like I didn't have my phone, I didn't know anything was going on, you know, in the real world. I didn't have the stress of the rehearsal I had later. Like I was just in that moment with them, experiencing the sky through tree branches. Yeah, and that's something that like I had lost in my life before the kids. Like that was something I did all the time as a young person, and I was losing sight of that until the kids came along. And that to me is a huge, an enormous gift. So true. I yeah. mean, I, I also when you were talking about staying home more, 
I feel like that's exactly the kind of thing that I often find myself where it's like this unplanned time um, where magic happens, where you're just doing something sometimes as banal as reading a book or whatever. Um, and yet in that moment, you're brought to the present with this child who's just totally in the present, right? Yeah. And having this, you know, magical time reading a book together or, you know, the imagination stuff, the imaginative play now is is like hit a peak, you know, with Grace. Yeah. And now Luke participating as well. And it's just, I love it. It's just so great even just to watch them do it, never mind participate in it myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that, I, I totally agree. And, and I think, yeah, that was definitely um, something that stuck out to me in the book and thinking about some of the joy that we experience as parents. Yeah. Um, you know, in terms of the elementary school um, age, uh, that's where she talked to a lot of parents who just feel this like crush of pressure to do so much with kids, to enroll them in so much, um, to find, you know, the best schools for them, to have them be in- enrolled in the right um, extracurricular activities and to do everything that they can um, to basically create these well-rounded kids for the future, you know, and, and what I thought was so interesting in particular in that chapter is that the idea of a child as as someone that you um, try to sort of help mold or shape into this well-rounded adult is a fairly new concept. Like the role mm. that we put our, on ourselves or the pressure that we put on ourselves is fairly new. Um, you know, it wasn't too long ago that kids were raised in a very specific way, which was... Um, they are taught basics of how to like live their life, you know, how to cook something, how to do laundry, all that kind of stuff. And then they're taught how to do what you do as a job. And mm-hmm. that's like what they'll do. And, right. and so, <laughs> so how to parent was a much simpler thing, right? Because you literally had the guidebook there from passed down from your parents who were the blacksmiths or whatever mm-hmm. it was. Right. And so you, that was what you taught and it was all just passed down and you were trying to raise, you know, good citizens who also just carried on the family um, trade. And so it went from being that, and also, by the way, literally like having child workers, you know, who yeah. had to contribute and were not thought of as unique in their development. They were just like little adults, right? They could just right. do whatever and they were expected to contribute to families. Um, and it went from that to this post World War II time where a child was thought of as the center of the family mm-hmm. and everything that used to be. Um, well, actually, part of that shift was was the outsourcing of all of our work. So there was a time where a family unit, you did everything within that household. You know, you hunted for the food. Subsistence. You you created your own clothes. There was no, like, there were no services for all of these distinct things. Yeah. And so that just occupied all of your time. And then that stuff started to get outsourced. So, you know, naturally, you go to a store and buy clothes. You have someone, you know, cut your meat or whatever. Um, you could even go out to a restaurant, <laughs> have yeah. them cook it too. Um, so everything in <laughs> school, that's another thing, right? Uh-huh. Rather than you being tasked with doing all of that education right. and development, you send a kid to a school. So all this is still in the you know grand, obviously, history of humanity, a very recent thing where suddenly all of that is outsourced and the role of the parent is less about all of those sort of practical things of just you know survival and basically raising another adult to you shaping what you investing in. That was another term that came up. The idea of you're investing in someone's future and trying to create this well-rounded um, adult in, a, in an environment that is so complex and so unpredictable because we don't know what the future will bring. Right. And so the, the art of parenting, if you want to call it that, is so much more complicated and so much less 
clear. Like what? W- there is no actual guidebook to raising a good human being, and mm-hmm. there is no way for us to know what that other than human this podcast being, exactly. And there is no way for us to know what that adult looks like in the future. Um, but there is a hell of a lot of pressure for us to get that right. Um, and there was another a quote. I believe it was from Margaret Mead. If I wrote these notes down ro- right, um, where she says, "Whereas." Focus of parenting had always been to raise kids who do what you do. For Americans, it is raising them to to be and do different. No guidepost for that. Um, and she describes the American father relationship with sons as autumnal, um, preparing sons to surpass us. And so there's less focus on like all the day to day you know stuff, and there's more about us trying to predict or help them become their best self. Um, and, and it was just interesting to think about this in the context of parenting in the past and how much pressure we put on ourselves to get all of that right. Yeah. And it's why you have the so-called, you know, overscheduled kid and now overscheduled parent. Um, and I don't know, for me, it just, if, if nothing else, it didn't come out with a clear, like good or this is good or bad or anything like that. It just made me feel like I want to be more relaxed as a parent because I think, I think we've actually overdone it <laughs> in terms of putting that pressure on ourselves. And I think that kids, um, they're going to be able to find their way in a world that doesn't necessarily have, you know, all of that structure and all of that extracurricular stuff. And, and, you know, it's just become, I think maybe too far and that mm-hmm. we as parents, um, could maybe, you know, take some tips from the French and others who frankly would probably find it abhorrent that we even, play with our kids <laughs> which yeah. i'm not suggesting like for me i wouldn't want to take it to that place because then we lose the wormhole i guess um but there's something interesting there hugely yeah hugely <laughs> i'll yeah, stop talking there's a now. lot in, to unpack in that so so that's not just elementary school uh, that you're, you're saying that that's sort of like from then on well i the... won't even why don't i want to save adolescence for a future okay. episode because that's but, a whole but was, other but was that thing. the all joy no fun that that thing you were just talking about like what what is the what is the all joy no fun i mean i think it's that about? we the, the no fun that? thing is the idea there is that we now like we put so much pressure on ourselves, mm-hmm. right, to do parenting in the way that we think we are we need to. And I think that there's a lot of joy that we get out of parenting that comes from um, raising these kids. And in the toddler years, that is what I described in terms of those wormholes in time even. Yeah. And as they grow up and they start to become these adults, there is such joy in seeing them become their own people and do things that we can't even do. You know, like they describe a mom watching her son play the violin and how amazing those moments are and the mm-hmm. joy that you get from that, even um, in spite of or maybe even because of all of the pain that you feel in some of those years. And adolescence is a, is a particularly painful one. Um, and, I, you know, I didn't want to get too much into adolescence in particular because it was just so rich with, like, I want to make sure we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the point is that you're, you may not be experiencing happiness in that sense that, you know, that shallow sort of sense, but there is a lot of joy that comes out of the, frankly, the, the challenges, the real challenges of parenting. So, you know, the idea of all joy and no fun, like I said, I don't, I I wouldn't agree to the extremes there, but I do, I do, I think the, it's true that it's less about fun or happiness and more about that deep sort of joy that comes from um, raising kids. Yeah. I would suggest because we both have a meeting starting in a few minutes, I think we should, let, let's have a part two let's to this do a conversation part two. because right. there, there's a lot to unpack in that. 
There sure is. And, and I'm glad that we kind of took our time getting to it because I think I understand the context more. And I'm having this this emergent realization because I'm like really judging those parents that you're talking about, those like theoretical parents who are – because like I see those parents all the time and I'm like, you got to chill the fuck out. Like your kid <laughs> Which does theoretical not have parents to be, are you talking about? Just oh, parents who are like overscheduling yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. putting them in every single I possible know, activity and being really hard on them and being yeah. – and then also like – being really coddling to them and kind of right like there's but then again like i'm also lumping a whole group of people together that are much more complex than that and we're also you know we're getting there and you're there more now than i am in terms of elementary school but like what i'm describing comes i think a few years out where you feel this incredible pressure because all the other parents and all the other kids right. are doing it and right. then your kids you know what i mean right and 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 that was the thing that was emerging as i was listening to you go through that is that uh, like we haven't experienced that yet? The two That's of us right. done this podcast, so it's so easy for us to sit here yes. and be like, "You just got to chill out. We've gone too far in the other direction." But the reality is that our kids aren't that old yet, and and we don't really know that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um. I, I mean, Jude is is the closest to that age, and 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 you know, of course, like he has friends who are taking foreign language classes, and friends who are doing all these other things that are you know kind of ambitious, and you know, he does his karate, and and other than that, basically, it's his time at school. You know, yeah, his time yeah. at home. Um. And but as we've talked about on the show before, there is always this kind of this uh, this creeping sense of insecurity about not enrolling him in as many things as we should be or like the fact that we couldn't afford the nice, you know, well, I, I, we love our nursery school, but we, you know, wanted to send him to like a more kind of quote unquote prestigious yeah, preschool, yeah, yeah. right? And we couldn't afford Similar, it. Similar, right. And, mm-hmm. and those kids like had this whole like immersive, you know, Montessori thing. But like, but, but he's he's ahead of, of a lot of those kids in in actual public school now. Yeah, and and the sense of like maybe we have to uh, take a step back and like pay attention to the kid and not the kid <laughs> that we're trying to build all the time. I think so, you know? and also maybe relax our um, the level to which we think we are shaping their future, or like I don't know. There's this incredible pressure to think of. To, to parent in the right way to raise the right kind of kid, right? Right. And we all have opinions about that, and we talk about some of them on this show, but, you know. But, like, maybe... Thomas Edison's parents weren't enrolling him in fucking Montessori preschool <laughs> classes, right? Like, yeah. like the, yeah. the reality is, is, is you become who you're going to be based on your genetics and how you're parented and the world in which you're raised and the people who have influence upon that. Mm-hmm. And I think if we always focus so much on the deliverable, right, on getting the accolades and getting this, getting that, that we start losing sight of like where the actual kid is at any point in time being responsive to it. I think so. But this is a, a, a much bigger question. Than Let's do a part two. So we'll do, we'll do a part two and come back to it. For sure. But uh, I'm coming for you, senior, senior. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> All right. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye. bye.